in a coffee shop in a city which is every coffee shop in every city on a day which is every day hello friends and welcome to the 33rd episode of barista unfiltered a podcast dedicated to the life and times of baristas they tell us what's brewing in their lives and work in this free-flowing and unfiltered podcast i'm jody lee and i'm austin miller we are your hosts and we are so glad you've joined us again today our guest is pat davis and i'm not going to tell you a whole lot about her because i want you just to experience her she is an event in and of herself (laughs) she is a barista who works get this one block from the beach in Surf City, North Carolina, and that means that she is living my dream life. So, of course, I had to walk up in that shop and meet her. So, welcome to the podcast, Pat. Thank you very much. Pleasure welcome, Pat. Here. Thank you, sir. Thank you so much for joining us. It, it took a while for us. Time happens, but at least we got it right. She has been persistent, and she is valiant. So, <laughs> first thing we want to know is what kind of coffee you had today. It's 1.30 your time in the afternoon, so you may have had more than one, but just tell us what's going on in your coffee-loving world. This is my favorite. It's Guatemalan and half and half, and it's like my fourth cup. I'm not going to lie. Is it uh, Guatemala dark roast or uh, medium? Medium. I can tell you all my secrets, but then I'd have to kill you. What fun would that be? <laughs> I'll just have to come yeah, spy. <laughs> So, so have you had know. the same? Have you had the same kind of coffee all day long? No, no, I had the most horrible pot of coffee this morning. I swear to God, I made it myself. It was terrible. I couldn't wait to get to my shop. What was so terrible about it? It was bitter. It was just vile. <laughs> what was it like? Old beans that you had crammed back behind the. I'm not going to lie. That, there could have been some truth to that. I'm not <laughs> Maybe a little bit of mold mixed in? I didn't question it. I just <laughs> it was awful. Sometimes we're desperate, you, you know? <laughs> did you work today, Pat? No, I did not. I spent my morning baking. I have a beautiful sister-in-law that just flew in last night, and I wanted her to have a home-cooked West Virginia meal, so I baked all morning. What did you bake? I baked. Homemade pepperoni rolls. I baked a cake and I made a pot of chili and homemade mm. sweet pea. Nice. Wow, that sounds good. It went down easy. Do you have any pepperoni secrets rolls. for your chili recipe? <laughs> no, it changes every time I make it. Just depends on what I've got on hand. Oh yeah. Yeah. But the pepperoni Dude, rolls those are the best, best secret in the universe. It needs to get out. So what do you use for the breading on the pepperoni roll? Bread. Or the dough? Do you make it? White dough. Just white dough. Just white dough. Okay. The secrets and so how you put it together. It's a wonderful thing. Is there a marinara in there too? Nope. It's just pure, sweet, homemade love. Mm. So cheese, pepperoni, and dough. Nope. Pepperoni and dough. No then cheese. Cheese. No, you don't need it. Huh. Do you dip it in anything? Yeah. Dip it in the chili. It's a wonderful thing. Dip it in the chili? Yeah. If I, I didn't have peanut butter sandwiches, or I would have done it with peanut butter. Oh, man. I, gotta teach you I my wish way. we were there. <laughs> you do. <laughs> All right. Well, 
Austin, what did you drink this morning? Um, actually, today I ran. I needed to get breakfast because I didn't eat anything last night. So I ran the Whole Foods, and I ended up drinking this weird, like, uh, black cherry energy drink. Because they have like now they they have like a giant refrigerator all full of different ways that you can get caffeine. So if you don't have coffee, you can drink weird black cherry energy drinks with I don't even know what like all these vitamins and minerals, and then also probably like double the amount of caffeine. I don't know some weird some weird crap. I mean, it tasted pretty good. Yeah. (laughs) It's like a white claw without that alcohol. Basically. Yeah. Yeah. It's like a white claw with no, um, no alcohol, but like twice caffeine. Yeah. You described it. And so you're flying (laughs) high now. I'm doing all right. I'm doing all right. (laughs) But zero carbs, baby. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But I miss coffee. I went over to the Otis. Um, coffee shop, which is like 10 minutes drive from my house. Um, but it is snowing here. So there was ice and snow all over my car and it's 25 degrees, you know, and it's noon. <laughs> it's it's going to snow. Here. I'm it's going to the s- beach after this. Okay. Oh my God. Take me with you. It's going to snow here for like the next forever. It's not getting out of the twenties for like a week. I spent the past week, um, laying out on the beach. Um, <sighs> It was like in the 80s. It was beautiful. <laughs> I rode my bike there. <laughs> but now today, like, because there's all these, there's these fires in Northern California, which I'm sure that y'all have probably heard about. Um, there's really bad fires, and um, and the winds are what's stoking them up. So I woke up today to wind, and I was like, what is going on outside? Because it was just like howling and click, you know, it makes clicking noises because like lines blow up against your house and stuff. So. Uh, so I looked outside and the the sky was basically like red and it was really windy and spooky. So I think our little summer is over now. Well, yeah. And then you have 80 degrees where you are, Pat. Oh yeah. It's a glorious day. Oh my God. You know what I'll be doing after this. You'll be shelling. Yeah. Oh my God. You want to see what I found last week? Yes. And then I'll describe it for everybody who's listening. Okay, this is this is the first one. Okay. <gasps> oh my god. It is a shark tooth at least five inches long from the gum line of the tooth down to the point that has actually been eroded away, so it was longer than that before it fossilized. That's huge. And then a There's half more. hour later. <gasps> And it's just as big, but this one is, that's a lemon shark, isn't it? No, this is actually an auriculatus, which is before the megalodon. Okay. Wow. Again, like four inches long. Wait, you said before the megalodon. Is that like a dinosaur shark? (laughs) The megalodon is too. Sharks like that, it was a predecessor to the megalodon, so it was earlier, yeah. So okay, you know, so all these fossils, right? Let's let's get into this right now because nobody knows about sharks' teeth. If you're like not a coastal person, people don't know about this. I've been sh- hunting for sharks' teeth since I was a little kid. So my dad taught me how to do it. Right about the same time, he was teaching me to look for four-leaf clovers, and um, and it really is the same kind of skill. You just have to be persistent, be really good at squatting, and be willing to do it for hours. So along the North Carolina coast, a lot of fossilized shark's teeth 
wash on shore. It's a daily thing around um, Topsail Beach, which is the island that Surf City is on. So when you cross from the mainland of North Carolina over to Topsail Island, the first city you encounter is Surf City. And that is where Pat's coffee shop is. If you make a left turn and go up the island, you're on North Topsail Beach. And if you make a right turn, you're headed to Topsail Beach. So those are the three main towns on the island of Topsail Island. And that island is littered with shark's teeth. So, yeah, people like to go out every day and, and search the rack line. If you don't know what a rack line is... Every day when the high tide comes in, and it happens twice a day, um, it, the ocean brings onshore debris in the form of shells, corals, glass, um, teeth, um, seaweed, like just all kinds of things. And as the, the tide washes out, that debris forms what we call the rack line. And depending on how the, the water is coming in, you could have multiple rack lines. And that is where beachcombers go, like the beachcombers like Pat and and me. (laughs) We like to get out there and just stare at it and find all the little treasures in it. So um, I'm going to tell us, why don't you tell a story about how we met? Do you remember it? I remember somebody with about eight (laughs) other bodies coming into my coffee shop. And I'm knee deep in a conversation with a bunch of customers about shark teeth, where to find them, and insert you. It was incredible. We had a great time. Yes. So So, her coffee shop probably, what's the maximum occupancy there? Ten? Come again. What is the maximum occupancy of your coffee shop? Is it like ten? Three? (laughs) We We have like 178 square feet of love here. It's very small. It's fantastic. But we piled about 20 people in there because my whole family was trying to get on a pontoon boat and we were and the pontoon guy was late because it was just after a hurricane. So they had taken the pontoon boats like inland. And so he was trying to help us out by renting it to us. But it was far away and it didn't have gas and blah, blah, blah. And so he was getting later and later. And I had these 20 people I was trying to move around the island. And so I said, let's go get coffee. (laughs) (laughs) And they all like piled up in around Pat. And she was like, it was like the opposite of a clown car. Like we were piling into the clown car of her coffee shop. And she was like, where are all these people coming from? She she couldn't quite figure out who they all were. It was good. It was so good. Um, But anyway, so when I walked into her coffee shop, she had um, shark's teeth just scattered on the coffee counter. And she pulled out some of the big ones. And I knew we were friends right then. <laughs> it was immediate. So tell us about your coffee shop because you're sitting in it. And if folks are watching online on YouTube, you can see it. But tell everyone who's not I lost your video. video about your place. I'm winging it. Um, my little space, how do I say it? It's very small. It used to be an office. I managed to have it from the 18th of May. And we opened June 1st. There was a lot of scurrying and craziness going on. A couple of my kids came down from Ohio. I had one gal coming from Washington, D.C. We just kind of slapped the things together. I had people volunteering, walking through the doors. It was an amazing thing. And it gave me an immediate sense of community. And um, I am blessed. I know I'm blessed. Let the Lord lead. He does amazing things. And um, here I am on the boardwalk. 300 yards from the ocean, loving every bit of it. 
absolutely amazing place to be. This tiny here, um, a lot of character in here. You gotta have character if you're gonna be small. I want them to look at something other than me and we have lots of that to see. So it's a very blessed place for me. And um, my dad always told me that if you love what you do, you don't work. It, you'll never work a day in your life. This is my retirement dream come true. So I am blessed. Have you always wanted to be a coffee shop owner? <laughs> no, I actually went into an art gallery to look for a shark tooth and came out with a coffee shop. That's just the way things work. It's a very spontaneous thing. And the Lord led me and here I am. Tell us that story. What shop were you in? How, how did this happen? Place. It's called the Mermaid's Purse. It was an art gallery. There were about 80 local artists and vendors, and they had their stuff in there. And the owner of the place, Patty, was showing me around, showing me what she had, and she had a vacant kitchen. And I said, you need me here. And she said, why? I said, I don't want to put in a coffee shop. She said, okay. I had no clue what I was doing. Nowhere to start. I had my sister-in-law's help. We went and we toured a place called Java Estate Roasteries. They're a local roastery here in Hampstead, probably about 20 minutes from my shop. I liked what I saw. The more I learned about them, I liked their testimony. They started a barista program in the high school, and it gives kids an opportunity to learn a trade, whether they're going to college or whether they're just going out. And I liked that. And the more I learned, the more I liked. And before you know it, I'm buying coffee stuff and becoming the coffee lady. So did they teach you your barista skills? Well, I don't know if I have barista skills. I just make a cup of coffee. I went in and um, they taught me how to use my espresso machine. Um, I had the owner of Java Estate teach me for about an hour and that's it. So I'm not your average barista. The more you do it, the better you get though. Even after years later, you still get better and better at it. There's always something to learn. The fun part is I'm small. When customers come in, I tell them that my menu's a guide. I want to give them what they want. They make up flavors, and it delights me. I learn as much from my customers, and it's a very enjoyable experience. And sometimes they come in, and they blindside me with something crazy, and I just look at them, and I say, what? And they back the train up, and we do it together. But it's a wonderful experience. It's just totally different than what they're used to and they like that and so do I the connections are great so you started it go ahead Austin I was gonna say as long as you're willing to have a conversation with somebody about what they want and you're fortunate to be like in a small space so you can take the time and like figure out what somebody's talking about even if you don't know exactly the words they're using you just like narrow it down and you dial it in right exactly and the thing that is, is what I've learned is the people are very patient. You're on island time is what they call it here. It's a relaxing thing. Um, I've had people tell me that it's like therapy watching me make the drinks. So they don't mind the wait. I try to be as fast and efficient as I can, but we have a great time. You know how we end up talking. I mean, you came in, we talked for basically three days when you were there the first day. But that's part of it. And the saddest day is Saturday when everybody leaves. You make connections with your customers, and I believe that we need to have more of that in the world, more one-on-one -on -one learning with one another. Mm -hmm. So Topsail Island has a lot of private homes on it, and um, the land was made available, 
I think in the 60s. And a lot of North Carolinians who wanted coastal property bought these little pieces of land up, like quarter acre, half acre plots. Um, and they built these small homes. But the island has been ravaged by hurricanes over the decades. And so there, there still are a lot of those small homes that aren't on stilts, and you can find them on the island. Uh, but for the most part, um, the building codes now require that you build a home up off of the dunes and and uh, and don't have any kind of real dwelling on that first main floor. So those homes that aren't grandfathered in are much higher. And as such, they're a really appealing for vacation homes. So what she's talking about that weekly cycle is that most people on the north half of the island – and those are the ones coming to Surf City for coffee mainly, um, they're on a Saturday-to-Saturday Saturday vacation rental. So they arrive Saturday, they depart Saturday. Um, south of the actual Topsail Beach town, that's where I always rent, it's Sunday-to-Sunday. Sunday. So same thing, it's a weekly rental. And they do allow, like they have a couple little hotels on the island where you can just rent one night or two, but the vast majority of people who experience the island go for the entire week and they really do settle into the community and find the little shops and shopkeepers that they adore. So there is that rhythm <laughs> in the island. If you're a Topsail Beach goer and you haven't yet met Pat, you need to head on down to Surf City Coffee and have that experience for sure. It's right on the main drag. Yeah. I love it. What, um, so you started your coffee shop after they restructured the bridge. So now there's a big bridge um, that's high and allows all the ships to pass. It's a big change for the island because until this year, there's been a swinging bridge. And you live your life basically around sunset. Sunset, sunrise, high tide, low tide, and the bridge, because <laughs> the bridge would swing open at, at on the hour, every hour, if there was a ship that needed to pass. Now they have a high-rise bridge, so everybody can just come and go from the mainland without having to coordinate your life around whether or not it would be swinging. And then they restructured the roads, so the roads are a little bit different now. Yeah, we um, had an education on that. Everybody knows what a turnaround is now, whether they want to or not. A few baptisms by fire. We saw a few going backwards, a few that had no clue. But you finally get the hang of it, and, and you know, it starts flowing. Um, it's a give and take about which one that I would have cared for most. Um, there is a certain charm when you came onto that island and you had to stop for that swing bridge motion, and it opened up, and for me, it was charming. I called it the boat parade. You never knew whether it was going to be shrimpers or somebody with a sailboat. It was just a glorious sight to see. You open your windows, you smell that air, and you know that you're finally here. So it's like a, a coming of age, if you will. I'm across the bridge. It's vacation. Now, when they took that away, there were a lot of people who were worried about what it would do to the charm of the place. Um, I get it. I respect that, but every morning when I come across that big bridge and I see that sun coming up over the horizon and I thank God for it every day, it is postcard beautiful when you see that sound and there's the ocean and just all just kind of hit you, you're here, you're in paradise and I love that. Yeah, it's kind of like the Oak Island Bridge. Austin, have you been to Oak Island? I haven't, yeah. No. Or even I've I been think, to Topsail. Right you have i think wrightsville might have a a, um, a bridge like this where it just goes up so high that you can see over 
You can see I, over I all the houses. <laughs> Hello, podcast friend. Um, but you can see, so it's like you're coming in like with an aerial view almost of the island. It is, it is magnificent. But I do miss the rumble. You know that rumble, the old bridge used to make your whole car vibrate when you went over it, and it would last for maybe five seconds, like, and that sound means you're you're on vacation. And then when you when you heard it on the way out, you're like, oh, vacation's over. (laughs) So I still hear it. Do you know what I mean? Like I, because I'm so used to going, I've been going to Topsail for 25 years, I think. And so I never even knew it existed until my sister-in-law brought me down here for my 50th birthday and I had never seen the ocean per Mm -hmm. se. And when I saw it here for the first time, I was just stunned at the beauty of it, the nature of it, everything about it. And it's such a a quaint community. And as you get to know people here, there's a very big sense of family and community. And you have business owners coming in, popping in just to say, hey, it's just, you feel right. And I've never quite felt like that before. It's an amazing feeling, this place. Yeah, I know you've received a lot of support from the folks on the island. And a couple days I was in there, I saw some of the same faces from the the taco bar across the street. Um, Can you tell us a little bit about that? Tell us about some of the characters. Oh, the characters at Shaka Taco are absolutely amazing. We've got two gentlemen, Cody and Steve. They're very energetic, very into the environment, and they're just wonderful guys. They come in, they check with me, they love their Americanos, and I'm here for them for that. But their kids come in, their employees, everybody's a kid if they're under my age. Okay, sorry, that's how I am. But they come in every day, they get to know you, you know what they want, you start making it as soon as you see them cross in the parking lot. And that's just all part of it. They actually came in so much that I felt guilty for charging them full price all the time. I just wanted to give them a break, but I'm kind of scattered and couldn't keep track. So we started a little program that if they bought six drinks, they get a free one. And I believe in customer service. I want good value. And that's just a way that I can thank them for being a part of me. And then beside me, there's a lovely place called Peak. Um, It's owned by a man named Andy. He's been with me since day one. They're right on the money. I had to have surgery right after I opened the shop. And he was very good about helping the girls see if they needed anything and just generally supporting me. And um, you you can't ask for more than that. You really can't. And so it makes you want to give back as you receive. And that's what it's all about. Yeah. Um, when did you start drinking coffee? I was always a tea drinker. And um, a few years back, my mom got sick. She was diagnosed with Alzheimer's. I was the first person she forgot. And my daddy was the second. And um, I went from a daily phone call with my mother to a daily phone call with my father, and he was a coffee drinker. So as a hat tip to dad, he would go out on his porch, and I would go out on mine, and we'd both have a cup of coffee, and that's how we would share our day. And I became a coffee drinker through that. And a great support to your dad in the process. He blessed me in many ways. It's a, it's a two-sided coin. Um, even in the worst of times, you can find gold in it. You have to look sometimes harder but that makes the blessings more special. Austin, did you have a question? 
No. No. Okay. You just look like you might want to say something. So you're not. I'm sorry to be so deep, but it was true. I had to say true. Oh, he's fine with that depth. Um, you're not from North Carolina, so tell us how you got there, because you're a West Virginia girl. I was born and raised in the hills of West Virginia. Um, I have four older brothers, so in order to keep up, I learned how to fish. I learned how to hunt. I still, to this day, enjoy hunting with a muzzleloader. And yes, you heard that right. Um, I got married, moved to Northern Virginia, and was there for a few years. We started having kids and came back to West Virginia. And my husband got transferred to Ohio. Um, it's about an hour away from where we, we grew up. Um, we got a horse farm there, raised our kids. And like I said, my sister-in-law brought me back this way. And we started looking at retirement. And then I had a big disaster a couple of years ago. I had to heal, and this place is healing. I lost mom, dad, and my sister-in-law in the span of 30 days. It was hard. And um, I sought solace in the only place that I knew would give me peace, and it was here in Surf City. And it healed me. I became Pat again. I found myself. And through that, I decided I needed to be a part of it. And it just seems like the man upstairs has been watching me because doors that shouldn't have opened did. Things that shouldn't have happened happened, and here I am. And I don't know how long this tide's going to be high, but I'm going to ride it for as long as I got. Can you talk about that healing process a little bit? Like, um, I mean, everybody goes through a a little bit of grief here and there, and I think we can all learn from each other, like how to move through it. You will have days where you're just miserable, and that's okay. You'll have days where you're angry, and that's okay. Um, For me, I could get out there. And I, you know how I look for the shark teeth. I finally decided to call that my prayer wall. And I would go out there, and as I would look, I would start thinking, no matter how bad my day was, of the things that I'm thankful for. And you realize just how much you take for granted, even the littlest things you can be thankful for. And once you do that, you start the healing process. God is there, your family's there, but sometimes you need to disconnect and just be. And you go out there, and it's corny, but so am I, and I can't help it. The tide comes in, and shells come up at your feet. The tide goes out, and it comes back in. And just for that one second in time, he thinks enough of you to show you that, and that's special. And once you learn that you are that important, you can start healing, and then you become who you need to be. Mm. I always think of... um what happens at the shoreline as like uh, it's it's an easy archaeological experience Amen. because you don't have to you don't have to dig <laughs> you don't have to dig for the fossils they just come up at you you just have crazy? to be willing you have to be willing to sit and look for them yeah. but like it's like going on an archaeological dig without all the dirt <laughs> you're gonna make me spit out my coffee. You said that very well. (laughs) And it does change from area to area. The south end of the island holds something entirely different than the middle and entirely different still from the north end. It depends on season, storms, tides. It's crazy. Yeah, I think there's something so healing in just being connected to the simple things in life, like the amount of sunshine, the, the tide, the 
just the rhythm of a space. And I don't feel that rhythm as profoundly anywhere else on the planet as I feel it at the shoreline. That's so true. there's something about the water just reminding you there's a rhythm here. Just it's remember, different. all that snow you're getting is just yeah. frozen water. So attach yourself <laughs> to that rhythm. I know. I guess just shovel that shit too, though. <laughs> I tried. I anyway, we're not I mean, even, do- even dogs know it. Like being here, and like everybody takes their dog to the beach, and mm-hmm. you can tell as soon as you get your dog to the beach and you let it go, the dog just runs and goes. Even if they don't like the water, like the dog has a re- uh, response, a reaction to being on the beach. And it's, you know, people have the same thing, but it's like a lot more obvious watching a dog because they, they'll just, you know, they're all ego. So they'll just like run and go crazy <laughs> and you can just see it. But but you understand the feeling. You like, you know what the dog's feeling, even if you're not acting that way. I hadn't yeah. really thought about that. You're right. The first time I took, I have a border collie and I took her to the beach at Topsail. You know, there's the beach access points. And I had like an umbrella, a chair, blah, blah, blah. And I got it all set up. And then I went back to the car to get her. And, you know, she's a great dog. She's normally, you know, stays on a leash, blah, blah, blah. So we go over the beach access point. It's the first time I think she's seen the ocean, right? Yeah. <laughs> and like, if you, I, I, if I could have seen her eyes, I'm sure that they popped out of her head. <laughs> what I remember is that she shrugged. And she was out of the leash and collar and gone. And (laughs) she just ran as far away from me as possible north. And, and I, there was no, I couldn't catch her. So I just stood there and I was like, I don't don't know what I'm going to do. And all the people around me were like, what are you going to do? I was like, I I don't know. I can't get her. I have no. And then she ran as, I mean, as far as I could see, she ran. And then she stopped almost like, wait. Where's my person? And then came all the way back to me and then ran all the way south (laughs) as far as she could. And that was her game. She would like orient around me just running as far away in one direction and then come back and far away in the other direction and come back. (laughs) And she was blissed out. I haven't really ever put that together, Austin, that they're just like they're holding it in their bodies and just letting it loose, like in a way that humans (laughs) just don't. But I think humans feel like when you go out on the beach, you feel that it's like this whole yeah. feeling of like freedom. Yeah. It's the ability to disconnect. When people come into the shop, the coffee shop, the main reason that I have those teeth there is I want to educate them. But my main goal is if I can get a family interested enough, I tell them where the teeth are. They go out and they actually come back and they tell me what they've done as a family. And for that amount of time, they put down the games, they put down the phones, and they've just connected with each other. And we need more of that. And so I'm all about that. And, you know, if it takes a little hand-holding for it, that's the way we should be. And that is the best way to teach them. Totally lost what you said. I had a tooth for every time. Um. At Topsail Beach in particular, I have made dozens of friends teaching them how to find shark's teeth. Because the, there's a way that a person looks when they're looking for shark's teeth. And so beachcombers who don't know how to find them, they know what you're doing. And they want to learn it. And you can teach somebody in just about five minutes. And oh, then yeah. they they go on and find one. You know, I usually what I do is I show them, like, how to look on the rack line 
for like the orangey spray of the right kind of thing, like the right oh, kind see, of shell. Oh, you're nice like that. I'm more direct. I see them <laughs> looking and I throw shark teeth at them. I put <laughs> them in the conversation starts. Well, what I'll do is I'll take them to an area and I'll find the tooth real easy. And then I'll just draw a box in the sand and I'll say it's in this box and I'll give them like a couple minutes to find it. Right. And then they find it. And I'm like, so now you know what to do. You just keep going and you'll eventually be able to share this with somebody else. But there is um, it, that is a that is a, a surefire way to make a friend at Topsail. Yes, ma'am. It that really is. is. And delicious coffee. Um, I want to talk about the art that's in your coffee shop. Yes, ma'am. Um, so there is a board of jewelry, mostly earrings, isn't it? Uh, the gentleman that makes those is a friend of mine. He's got necklaces and anklets and earrings and things. Um, he's a retired U.S. federal marshal. He's six foot seven. He's got tattoos and the handlebar mustache, and he can be rather intimidating to look at. But he's a gentle, wonderful man. I met him and his wife a while back, and just so happens they live within a mile of me. Things work the way you need them to, and um, I love his work. The prices are good. I like what he stands for, and so he's in my shop. Um, I have a lady by the name of Desiree Horton, and she lives in Porter's Neck, which is relatively local. And she makes handmade mugs for me, and I'm the only person in the world she makes them for. I like to... I'm small, but I like to be exclusive, and I want people to come in and go, I've never seen anything like that. So when you come into my shop and you see a two-foot-tall giraffe with jewels all over it, you're going, what the heck is that? <laughs> and that's the way my life rolls. I've got a little turtle in here, and it's all pearls, and they're real pearls. This is an example of Desiree's work, and so you can see they're very handmade, very sweet. And the prices are nice, and I want people to come in here and see handmade things and know that they're not priced beyond, thank you, beyond compare. I want people to come in and see something There's like the turtle. <laughs> and wow. go, what in the world is this? <laughs> and it's made of handmade beads and hand-cut agate, and her name is Aggie, and I made her. And <laughs> That's it's beautiful. Just, Thank you. It's part of the charm of the place. People come in and expect the unexpected. I have uh, the only state, well, let's see, how do I say that? I am the only business in the state of North Carolina that sells Mr. B potato chips. That is a hot tip to my home state of West Virginia. And it's just when people come in here and they're on vacation and they go, oh, wait, look at this, Mr. B's. Do you see this? They yeah. go, okay, it's a cult thing. And they get it. And so they're calling me up and saying, can you order? And I said, well, of course I can. It's, it's the individuality. It's the craziness that makes my coffee shop work. I'm quirky. They get it. They like it. And that's all I know how to be. They appreciate it, too. Thank you. Um, do you have a project you're working on currently, like something weird that you're trying to bring in? Yeah, my 12-foot-tall Christmas tree. <laughs> um, I've started, <laughs> well, it was the first thing I bought when I bought my new house and I want it to be beach themed. And so I'm gathering up all of my shells and figuring out what exactly I'm going to do with that. So I'm knee deep into that right now. I'm starting to work on, there are certain ways that I make shells. People like them as Christmas ornaments and I sell those here. It's just, there's always something different in the mind going on. Um, 
there's a lady that owns a, an art gallery here on the island. She's a wonderful human being, and I just fell in love with her the moment I saw her. She's teaching me how to paint. You should always try something new and out of your box. And I've always wanted to paint the water, so she's teaching me how. But you're constantly growing, and everything evolves and changes. So from day to day, you never know what I'm going to be working on. Mm-hmm. Is your Christmas tree outdoors, or is it um, going to be inside your house? It's going to be inside my house. I I have 14-foot ceilings in my living room, and I'm just aching to decorate that tree. I know it's a little early yet, but the thoughts are already on it. So you don't actually have the tree itself. You're just making what you're going to put on the tree. Yes, the tree is in my garage. But I've oh. got to make these super-sized ornaments because you can't put little tiny things on a great big tree. It just don't uh-uh. work. And I like what we call back home a gaudy Christmas tree. If you can see the limbs, you haven't done it. Right. <laughs> <laughs> now, are you a white lights or colored lights person? I'm a very old-fashioned colored light person. Um, we actually buy these little things. They're about the size of dimes. They're little round balls. And I found them about 30 years ago. And my daughter found them in a retro store online. And they're just fabulous and they're different. I don't like twinkle lights. I want them to be solid. Mm. I can't help it. What are you? People are people are so funny with their opinions about that. Like, uh, like my brother and I both like the colored lights and, um, my mom was definitely a white light person, but she put up with us and humored us for all those years. And as soon as we got out of the house, she switched over to white lights. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. (laughs) So good to you. (laughs) But, but the, the, the exchange for that was we had to go around and turn on all the lights and do all the every night, like light everything up. And I think if we had stopped doing that, we would have not been holding up our end of the bargain and she would have switched over. Well, you got to <laughs> give and take, man. Give yeah. and take. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, this is something I'm curious about. When I told you I wanted you to be on the podcast, you mentioned you have experience as a DJ. Yes, I do. T- tell me about that. Well, there are times when my man voice helps me when I'm looking to, you know, making phone calls about car repair and they call me, sir, that's really a great thing. Um, when I was young, I still had the deep voice and my older brother was a disc jockey and I just hounded him to death to go see what he did. And so I went, I watched him work and I would do all the uh, spinning of the 45s and the run of the boards and he would do the voiceovers. I was nine, and I fell in love with it. I was totally infatuated, and the owner of the station came in, and he caught us, and I thought my brother would be fired, but instead, he asked me what I was doing, and I told him. He said, does she know what she's doing? He said, yeah. He said, do you want to learn? I said, sure, so I went and took classes. Back then, you had to be able to take apart the transmitters, put them back together, do different things like that, so you had to take a test through the Federal Communications Commission. And I did that, and I became a licensed DJ, and I got my very first paycheck when I was 11 years old. And I worked weekend shift. I did everything from gospel to bluegrass to rock to country, loved it all. And um, I did that until I got married at 19. That's crazy. Do you miss it? No, I don't think so. I mean, this this is a fun thing for me. I'm a lot more comfortable with it than I thought I would be. 
but being around the customers every day gives me that opportunity to have my voice. And um, I believe in what I do. People know that. They respect it. And in a way, it's just it's just as personal. And I like it. Yeah. Do you sing? Not really good, but my mom always said, if you can't sing good, sing loud. So <laughs> right. I, I, <laughs> right. No, uh, I, I play the drums, and okay. I've been known to pick up a banjo. I can do about three chords, and if anybody knows banjos, you can play just about anything in the universe with three chords. With three chords. And like C, F, and G? Is that what it is for the banjo? I couldn't tell you that, but I could tell you where to put the fingers. That's all I got. I just, yeah, you know. that's all right. Yeah, <laughs> lots of people, especially with <clears throat> old-time musical instruments, a lot of times musicians can't talk about it. And, and this is true of you, ukuleles in Hawaii uh, because you, you learn in a song circle. And so you literally just learn from watching and mimicking. So yes. you might not know any music theory. You not, might not be able to speak about it, but you could play better than somebody who's got an actual music degree from a college. It's amazing so, how that works, isn't it? It is amazing. Yeah. In Hawaii, they call that a kana kapila. When, I don't when you're think I'm going to be putting together. anybody out of business with my abilities. <laughs> you, however, impressed me at the beginning of the show. I'm just going to say. I, play, I love to play, but I don't think I'm at it. I just like to do um, but guess what I just bought? You're not going to believe this. And maybe what? you know. Maybe you know about this. There is an instrument on this planet that is the combination hybrid of a banjo and a ukulele. It is called the banjo lele. I love it. It is the best thing ever. So you're using the same chord shapes in the left hand as you do with a uke, but it makes that plank a plank a plank a plank noise oh of the banjo. It is amazing. So I just I got it a couple weeks ago. My my uncle, years and years ago, he's always made um, guitars. And he loved a mandolin. And he loved a guitar. So he actually made three. He called them mangitars. And they played like a mandolin, but they sounded like a guitar. So That's it's brilliant. funny that you're sitting here playing. I can't wait to hear you play this instrument. It's ridiculous. Yeah, I just got it like two weeks ago. Sweet. <clears throat> Mm -hmm. Okay, so you know fun. what we do for fun. Now, what do you do for fun, sir? Who, me? Uh -huh. You're the only <laughs> uh, sir here. I, uh, I love, uh, I love uh, riding my bike, go out to the beach, um, like whenever I have a day off. Um, there's, a, there's a beach right underneath the Golden Gate Bridge um, called Marshall's Beach, and I'll ride my bike out there and uh, go hiking around at the beach. I'm, uh, you know, I, I work at a coffee shop um, two blocks from where I live. So I'm pretty social in this neighborhood. Um, so I spend a lot of time just like socializing with people in the neighborhood. I take care of people's dogs. So I'm walking dogs around all the time. There's some of the things that, yeah, yeah, it's a good, I, I, it's a good life here. I love this. I understand that. Yeah. I, I started opening my shop seven days a week. Um, I open from seven to one and people always gather about the quarter to one, just as everything is spotlessly clean. They all come in. And oh, yeah. I tell them, yeah, I told them I'm going to put cards <laughs> in a cover and they can stay as late as they want, right? Yeah. But um, yeah, I got plans for this little coffee shop. Come spring, we're going to do the seven days a week. We're going to keep the seven to one. We're going to close it down and then open again from three to eight at night. I'm very excited about that. I've got some really good people that are working with me. Um, 
I've got one gal that's got it all going on. She actually went through the barista program at Topsville High School. Her name is Grace. She's 18. She's just as sweet as she can be. And she's going to trade school to become a welder. How cool is that? That's so awesome. cool. It's very diverse. Um, my best friend who I met here in the rain on the beach, she's 64. Shh, don't hate me, Marla. But it's, it's just we're a very eclectic group. And, and you, so you have other people working there with you? Working behind the... Yeah. Yeah, um, I have to. I have to breathe sometimes. You know what it's like. Yeah. So I feel it progressing. I think we've got a good thing going here. I'm excited about the prospects, what the new year is going to bring. And um, I want these people to stay with me. They're just such a part of my life. I can't even imagine them not being here. So I, I, I have, have a, a feeling I'm going to get in there sometime because I'm way overdue for a trip to Topsail. I have a friend that bought a house built a house down there uh, a number of years ago, and I still haven't been to visit. Um, so It is perhaps more beautiful in the fall. You don't have the humidity as bad. The stars are clearer at night. The waves are clearer. There's just something breathtaking about the intensity of the sun out there that time of year. You yeah. Need to do and the ocean's still fairly warm in the autumn as well, right? You can still go swimming. Yes. Well, I'm an odd-natured person. I waited every day but two last year. Um, I There's just something about being grounded to the water, grounded to the sea. I think it keeps you healthy, and I go out there. I can't help it. That's the I'm one just, thing about the water here. You stick your feet. It's free, the water is freezing out here compared to the Atlantic. Sometimes it can be like a bath here. Yeah. But then it's the sharks, so you got to take the good with the bad, man. Yeah. <laughs> so after we um, came to your coffee shop and we got on the pontoon boat, my little cousin Kingston, you know, with the broken arm, do you remember him? Yeah. He was wanting to fish. We, he is a really active kid. We couldn't do most of the things that we would normally do with him because his arm was broken and we had to keep the, he had pins after he had to have it set with a surgery. So he had pins inside that cast and we just couldn't have any kind of water, you know, on it. So um, we decided we'd teach him how to fish because he wanted to learn to do that. With a and broken so arm. And with a broken arm, right? But I mean, he's he's pretty resourceful. He's he's a scrappy kid. You know, he's he's he he will make the best of a bad situation any moment. He's really resilient, wonderful kid. So anyway, um, we loaded up on the pontoon boat and my husband drove us around on those, you know, those little islands that are between the, uh, you know, in the intercoastal waterway off the shoreline. And so we just ran the pontoon boat up against a little sandbar somewhere because there's thousands of them out there. And he cast his line out. The first thing he caught was an octopus. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Who took that off the hook? <laughs> well, his mama tried. And you know how octopuses, like, you know, they, like, bend their arms and swirl them around you, or I guess their legs. But anyway, Brandy was trying to get the octopus's leg off of the, um, the, the hook, and it was one of those hooks that's, like, actually three hooks. Oh, yeah. It was just near, it's near impossible to get anything off of it. And so she was over there trying to disconnect the octopus from it and of course it would like bring a leg up and she's like stop I'm trying to help you stop grabbing me but eventually it worked its way off the line but I mean that was just spectacular for him to catch an octopus the very first thing he ever caught on a fishing line we saw two of them that week oh my 
That oh, might ruin me for life. I'm just saying. I don't think I There's, can deal with all that. They're such incredible animals. You know, the first one that we saw, we were paddleboarding over to a sandbar, and it would just, um, you know, spread its body out, like, with its legs on either side of it. And then when we would get close, it would align itself so that its head was forward, its legs were behind it, and it would swim just along the shore with us. It was really neat. They're, they're magical. Everything's magical. You just have to find the magic. It's true. It's true. I just love Topsail Beach. I swear, every time I go there, it just it just gives and gives and gives. Well, to there's me. Just something special about it. I mean, you got a 26 mile long island. It's a turtle sanctuary. So starting in the spring, you've got the wonder of the big ones coming up. They're laying their eggs, and then there's the anticipation of waiting. And then when those little ones come out of those nests, it's absolutely amazing. And I got to see that five times in one year a couple of years ago, and it was just like a blessing every time. You never get tired of seeing things like that. And I don't know. There's just something about this place. Um, do I don't you guys know. do something different with the lights there, like when the when the turtles are hatching to make sure there's not lights on the beach? or It's a lights-out time. Everybody yeah. knows that. Everybody's good to respect it um, because of what we are and because of what uh, people like Karen Beasley's Turtle Rescue Place, what people do around here. They're very into it. Um, I'm now see, I might be putting the cart before the horse. I'm designing a couple of shirts here for my coffee shop. Um, they're going to, they will have turtles on them. You of course. Will see how they incorporate turtles and coffee because it's really, really cute. But what I'd like to do is every time I sell one, I'd like to put it into an account, a part of that, and I would like to sponsor a rescue turtle for my coffee shop and That's become part sweet. of that. Um, what we do here is you try to become more aware of your environment. Um, I'm trying to train people to go strawless with their cups. It's a little more expensive, but I think that if everybody does their part, if everybody does something small, it becomes something big. So whether it be buying a reusable straw, they come in, they get a discount. They bring their own cups, they get a discount. Anything that you can do as a small business or a big business that makes a big difference. And so, you know, I want to be more involved in that, more aware of it. A couple of weekends ago, they had a, oh gosh, what was it called? Surf Fest. And they put together a one-day thing, and it just turned into something fantastic. They had retro surfboards out here. There was about 50 surfers. They had five bands going. And um, all the money that they raised went to help the environment in the area. And I wanted to be a part of that. And so they, they allowed me, and I was blessed with it. And... That's how this island is. It's special here. People care. It's I'm magic. Sorry, I'm, so I'm so deep. glad. I'm so glad it found you. Oh, my goodness, girl. It was just meant to be. It's been a blessing since day one. Love that. Now, the turtles on um, your T-shirt. So, you guys, this is a good break. Um, pardon me for just a sec. This is a oh, good you break have to for go. me. I've got to run. i got to go to work. Pat, it was such a pleasure talking with you today. I hope you guys enjoy the rest of your conversation. I'll be listening to it after it's already up. All right. I'm counting on seeing you down here. Take care. Bye, y'all. And just like that, we're two. All right. Um, Which is probably too much anyway, right? Um, Tell me this. Are your turtles going to be bedazzled? The rescue turtles, no. No. But every time I make a turtle, you know it's going to be bedazzled because that's the way I roll. 
That's what I was thinking. It's, I can't yeah, it. I mean, bedazzled turtle. I feel like that's that's your essence. That right there, it's just it's just an amazing thing. I bedazzle everything. If you sat long enough in my shop, you could be in trouble. I would bedazzle your ears. Yeah, you you might walk out decorated a little more. Yeah, bring that um, uke and I'll hook it up. You know. Oh man. <laughs> yeah, did you see my ukulele? It's got some bedazzling on it. Bring it. I don't know if you could see it. It's got abalone shells. Oh, it's beautiful. I like that. And the the shells all go all the way up to the headstock. I see that. Very yeah. nice. That's the main reason I bought this ukulele was the abalone shells on it. And here I thought it was because it sounded so good. What do I know? <laughs> I know. I had been picking that ukulele up. I shopped for probably six months before I got a serious one. And um, I would always pick that one up because of the shells. And I kept telling myself, I can't buy a ukulele based on shells. It needs to sound good. I'm in this orchestra and I can't just buy something because it's pretty. And then I went to my orchestra conductor's shop where he sells the ukuleles and he hands it to me. He's like, play this one. And I said, oh, I already love that one. I know about, can I have that? Because I thought that was like a toy because it's so pretty. And I said, you can't have that for orchestra. And he was like, of course you can. Wait. And as soon as I had his permission, I was like, I'll, I'll buy it. And he was like, well, you need to play it. I was like, I already know I love it. Oh, my goodness. That's great. <laughs> that's how well, I that's got it. That's a win-win it. right there. I know. It's funny that I ever hesitated, but it, it I can't imagine playing another ukulele seriously because I just love the way that one looks and feels and it has a beautiful sound too so i just love it yeah that's what we get when we start hesitating we miss out on things take your chance it's true it's true i i am hearing that in your story over and over just to go with the flow yep it's a good reminder perfect but it works yeah uh, you make the best of it and things come back to you it's good yeah well i'm so glad i found you i'm glad you found me too this has been a very fun time with you today. I didn't know what to expect. It's been very relaxing, and I've enjoyed my coffee. And, hey, I just yeah. think it's a wonderful thing that you're doing. And you, too. I'm impressed with all that you got going on in such a small space. You really are living my dream life. I'm going to have to eventually, like, be you. Well, I'm sorry, but as long as I have <laughs> breath in my lungs, you will not be me here. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'll just be there with you enjoying the coffee and the conversation. That's I still like I still wear my earrings, those little auger earrings I got from your board. Oh, oh, I guess you. I understand completely. I love, I love them. I love them. Well, anytime you get tired of that snow, we'll hook you <sighs> up down here. I know. I I need to find ways to be at Topsail Beach more often. Well, you know, he can hook you up. He's got a friend that has a house here, right? That's true. It's all who you know. You're welcome. (laughs) (laughs) All right, my dear. Well, let me wrap this up. Do you have anything else you want to share? I don't know what it would be unless it would just be to tell everybody to live each day like it's your last. Yeah. Pray to do it right. Be kind to one another. And live your dream. Live your dream. I know, you certainly are. You're giving the advice. You're taking the advice that you're giving. It took me a long time to figure that out, but I think I'm finally getting it. Yeah, I think you are too. 
Well, listen, as we round uh, end up this episode, I want to again thank you, Pat Davis, for being with us today and thank all of our listeners for joining us. We want to hear from you guys. So if you know a barista or a coffee industry expert that needs to be featured on our show, just write to us and tell us and we'll reach out to that person and and get them on. Um, The email address is info at baristaunfiltered.com. We're on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, and we thank you all for subscribing on YouTube. That helps us get found out in the world, just like reviews on Apple, Apple's iTunes podcast app. So if you can go on there and just say a few words, that really does help us find new listeners. And our audience is growing every day. Um, we're over 100 like regular listeners now, and that just thrills us to no end. So um, we've got podcast patrons through patreon and so thanks to you guys for keeping us going if you want to join the cool kids that support the podcast head on over to patreon.com slash barista unfiltered you can find us there and donate it any amount or whatever schedule works for your budget um and with that we'll sign off i'm jody lee and i thank you pat davis thank you it's been a pleasure good to see you y'all be good stay caffeinated friends bye (laughs)